from the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudette. This is Idaho Matters. Even though the weather has been feeling a bit like spring, don't let that fool you. We are still in the midst of winter, which means flu season is still upon us. Joining us today is Dr. David Pate, the former CEO of St. Luke's Health System, to talk more about what we need to know about this. And remember, if you have a public health question, send us an email, idahomatters at boisestate.edu. Hi, Dr. Pate. Hi, Gemma. Okay, so let's start our conversation today with influenza. So, Dr. Pate, flu levels are going down in some places, but they're still high in other parts of the country. Is that correct? That is correct. So, there's still very high levels of flu transmission uh, around the country, but they're, uh, hot spots. And mm-hmm. so we saw flu kind of hit a peak right at the very end of the uh, year. But as I mentioned on your show a few weeks ago, there are occasional years where we can see a second peak and that appears to be what's happening this year. What, uh, we've seen with Idaho is our cases have come down from high levels to moderate levels. So it's still out there, but it has come down. And most of the states surrounding us uh, have also come down. But uh, curiously, Oregon and Montana have actually gone up. And what we're seeing across the country is that Influenza A and B both hit that peak at the very end of the year. Influenza A, which caused most of the infections, has been steadily coming down. Uh, Influenza B started coming down and then about the middle of last month took a U-turn and has been going up and it's now higher than it was at the peak. So it appears that this second peak we seem to be experiencing is the Influenza B. Uh, the vaccines will work against that. Uh, influenza B is more of a concern with children than uh, older uh, people, but it's a concern for everybody. And so if people haven't been uh, vaccinated, uh, especially kids, uh, that you can still get them uh, vaccinated now. And, um, and and so that's what we're dealing with right now. Okay. Um, so let's talk about COVID as well. Dr. Pate, this statistic I kind of surprised me, and that is the fact that we hit the peak of the second biggest wave of the pandemic at the end of last year. I mean, we're talking December, like two months ago. That's right. And so, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people talk and act like uh, COVID is over. It's not. As you said, that was our second highest peak, as best we can tell, by using Uh, wastewater uh, data since we don't have Mm -hmm. many other good sources of data. And so it did peak and it's been coming down. We also talked about the variant JN.1 becoming totally dominant in the United States and pretty much across the world. Uh, But even though it's been coming down, now we're starting to see uh, that kind of plateau off and maybe another rise. I can't tell what's going on because we don't have as much sequencing right now. I don't see anything in the CDC data that tells me. Um, I used to get a lot more information looking at the 
Boise city, city water, but they've stopped sequencing. So I'm not sure if um, there have been some new, really highly mutated uh, variants noted in other parts of the world. I don't know if it's here. I don't think so, but I can't really tell. But we are seeing a little bit of a rise, although not as steep as what we saw last time. So I think the same point as with influenza, uh, COVID's not over yet. So, Dr. Pate, what about uh, boosters when it comes to COVID? Um, the, is the CDC looking at any options? I know we've gotten a lot of questions about that. Yes. And you and I mentioned that, uh, I think a month or two ago, I mentioned that Canada approved a second booster, the same one that was offered uh, the new updated booster that we started uh, offering last September. Uh, They're authorizing that mid-year for older people and those with uh, medical problems. And I have been hoping that the United States would do the same. Uh, And fortunately, I just heard that the Advisory uh, Committee on Immunization Practices is going to take that matter up uh, actually in about a week. And so Hmm. I'm hopeful that they are going to approve a second dose of that. Uh, That'd be that XBB.1.5 updated booster that was uh, made available in September so that if you'd like to get a uh, booster that you could this spring. And we have been seeing uh, through this latest part of the pandemic that uh, typically the protection from either infection or vaccination is lasting somewhere around four months. So uh, I think this is a real positive step. I hope that they do approve it. I think the CDC director will sign off on it immediately if they do. And then, um, if you got the booster back in uh, September or whatever, uh, then you could get it and and that would be, carry you through until they come out with the new booster for this fall. Uh, or even if you didn't get the booster last time, you could get the booster uh, now if they approve it and then uh, uh, wait for the new version to come out in the, the fall time. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Pate, speaking of uh, boosters, do we need to prepare ourselves for the fact that, you know, we're just going to be getting COVID boosters from, from now on? And I know back when the pandemic first started, you know, we were hesitant to, to kind of compare COVID to the flu, right? Flu is seasonal I and mean, COVID's not. Uh, but, right. but with that said, um, you know, in order to at least protect ourselves to maybe make sure if we get COVID, it's not as bad. Um, is this just something that, that we are going to be doing Uh, moving forward? Likely. However, let me give a little caveat. There are some very exciting things happening in the field of vaccinology, particularly related to different kinds of vaccinations that we could get potentially for COVID. And even what's called a pan-coronavirus vaccine, meaning that it, it would vaccinate us not just for this SARS-CoV-2 virus, but most of the coronaviruses, which would be amazingly fantastic. Um, There are some promising progress being made in both areas. And one of the ones that I'm particularly excited about is nasal vaccines. I wasn't particularly real 
uh, optimistic because we saw people get infections and that not give long lasting immunity. And that should be the ultimate uh, boost to your uh, nasal passages. But they are finding some new ways to formulate the vaccine that is uh, producing some really strong uh, protections even against infection. And so I think this is very hopeful. I don't think it's a guarantee. It's got to continue going through the studies, but I think it's possible potentially next year, uh, we might have some nasal vaccine candidates that would be very easy to administer, uh, very easy and likely safe to um, uh, you know, give uh, over repeated times if necessary, but it could be that mm-hmm. this could even protect us from getting the infection. So too, too early to say, but fingers crossed. Okay. So Dr. Pate, last week we we told folks about Alaska pox. Very quickly, can you give us a refresher? And then I want to ask a listener question. Sure. So the, there was a uh, virus called Alaska pox, named so because it was discovered in, in Alaska and back in 2015. And um, all the cases seemed to be surrounding fair. Fairbanks, uh, Alaska, and uh, it was identified to be carried in redback voles, uh, particularly, although a few other species as well. Uh, Had not been a lot of infections, I think about seven cases since 2015, Uh, most of them fairly mild, but you and I talked about a case last week where the gentleman died. Uh, However, he was more elderly and he was immunocompromised from having gone through uh, cancer uh, treatment and um, uh, and the other thing that was notable about that case is uh, I think he was around 450 kilometers away from Fairbanks uh, in the part of the state. So it looks like this the 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 animals that are carrying this have uh, spread out a bit more. So let me ask this listener question. It's from Sunny from Haley, and she says most of us with yards in Idaho have voles. Do we have to worry about Alaska pox? I have four dogs in my backyard that I'm sure catch and eat voles. They caught and killed a squirrel last fall that I retrieved in a bag and threw in the dumpster. Yes, you do not have to worry. Uh, We haven't identified any such cases here in the continental United States. And of course, Alaska is uh, pretty far off. Obviously, over years, uh, that situation could change. And, and so obviously, if we start seeing cases, um, we the public health authorities will, of course, alert people. I don't think you have any uh, concerns right now. Uh, and I checked with the Idaho Department of um, Game and Fishing, and uh, the type of vole that carries this pox, it hasn't even been identified in Ada County. It is in a lot of other parts of the state but it's not here. So no, you don't have to worry. However, there are things that are more concerning and that would be things like rabies and things like, um, you know, we are worrying about some of the transmission of avian flu uh, to other mammals. So you still want to exercise caution. You would never want to pick up a dead animal uh, with your bare hands. If you did, you'd want to obviously wash them extremely carefully as soon as you could. Um, You don't want your children or uh, pets to be going over and and looking at uh, and sniffing around um, uh, dead Mm -hmm. carcasses. Uh, But no, you don't have to worry about Alaska pox. 
So Dr. Pate, for the last two weeks or so, we've been talking about some measles outbreaks. There was a fairly major one in the UK, um, but now we're seeing a fairly significant outbreak here in the United States. Yes. Uh, fortunately, the UK seems to be getting their outbreak under control. It was uh, uh, much, much longer, uh, larger. Uh, there are also a number of other European countries that are uh, having outbreaks. And so certainly if you plan international cha- uh, travel with young children who may not be fully vaccinated, be sure to check that. For example, there's a, a significant outbreak in Romania right now. But you're right, Gemma, we have had uh, outbreaks at various places in the United States, in Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, other places. We now have uh, one of the latest is in Broward County, Florida, where a third grader uh, tested positive for uh, measles and uh, alarmingly didn't have a travel history, which suggests Mm. that the infection was uh, actually circulating in that county rather than something that this child would have picked up in another country and brought back. And of course, uh, when you have these things, uh, anybody else that's not vaccinated is very likely to get infected. And in fact, three other children are ill. And this is concerning because there are many potentially serious things that can happen. We tend to minimize uh, measles, but we should remember that before we had a very highly effective vaccine uh, many decades ago, uh, measles used to be one of the leading causes of death of children across across the globe. So this is nothing to take uh, mildly. And for those parents that are thinking, well, you know, it's it's good for the immune systems to get exposed to these things. Measles is not good for the immune system. In fact, it destroys a, um, a good part of the immunity that you already have built up, and it takes years to regain that immunity. So it, it, it really needs to be taken seriously. I know there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy, but the measles vaccine has been used for many decades in in millions of children. It's very safe and we really need to protect them uh, as well as um, adults that are vulnerable um, that haven't been vaccinated. When they get sick with measles, they often end up in the hospital. So Dr. Pate, talk to us also about concerns. I know you said, um, you know, there, there's not any, um, uh, you know, there, there aren't any research at this point to back this up, but there's some concerns coming out um, about, well, I should say there's no evidence or proof at this point, but there are concerns about COVID impacting uh, these measles outbreaks. Yes. Uh, and, and I say that because in looking retrospectively at an outbreak in Pennsylvania, the rate of hospitalization of kids was dramatically higher than what we normally see. Normally about 20% of kids that get measles have to be hospitalized. In this particular outbreak, uh, as I recall, it was just shy of half of them had to be. Now, it could be a fluke. There could be some other uh, extenuating circumstances. I don't know. But one of the concerns is uh, that if, if kids are getting COVID and then getting exposed too soon before they've been fully recovered, that maybe we're seeing more severe disease because we are seeing a lot of other signals where this may be occurring with other 
viruses as, as well. Again, as you pointed out, not proof or evidence, but it is a concern that we're looking at, and it's going to require a lot more study. Um, and I think the other thing that's concerning to me is that with these recent outbreaks, we have seen uh, more people get exposed when these cases present to the hospitals. And so I'm also fearful that uh, as you know, I've been very critical of hospitals' infection control processes uh, that um, are, are just really inadequate for the threats that we're seeing uh, these days. And I'm concerned that with this general laxity in infection control, that um, you get a, a patient in with measles, which is highly, highly, one of the most contagious viruses that we know of, uh, this is going to be a real problem. Uh, I noted that a, uh, a, a, a couple uh, uh, approached me last week, asked for help because their child uh, had COVID, had some concerns. It was night and I had some concerns where I thought they might need some very specialized tests. So I advised them to go to the hospital, which they did. And, and to that mother's horror and mine, when she shared it with me, uh, the doctor and nurse came in, even though they identified their child as having COVID, came in with no mask. And then they mm. left the room and they uh, left the door open in the hallway. So everybody right around there is getting exposed to this stuff. And, and I think we just got to take infection control a little bit more seriously. So, Dr. Pate, there's um, another issue of concern. I've got just about uh, two minutes to talk to you about this. Diphtheria. Can you tell us quickly what this is and what we need to know about it? I mean, the only thing I've ever known about it is, is you get your kids vaccinated for it. Well, there you go. And and fortunately, you uh, haven't seen it because, and I haven't ever seen a case because the vaccines are extremely uh, effective. But before we had vaccines, diphtheria uh, could cause a very significant illness in um, in people, it's it's a bacteria that produces a toxin, and what can happen that is most concerning is that toxin can produce a thick membrane that can cover the back of the throat or cover a nostril, and it can interfere with breathing. and And this is a terrible, terrible situation. And that membrane is very hard to remove. So we don't see this since we've had the vaccines, but now that we're seeing people not get their kids vaccinated, um, and uh, by the way, this um, uh, protection for this vaccine is together with the tetanus and the pertussis or whooping cough vaccine, mm -hmm. because they're not getting this now, there are cases uh, occurring, I think, Germany has 10 cases of diphtheria. We wouldn't see that in 10 years. Um, and so, and that's just in this past month or so. So uh, we're the, the fact that people are not getting their children vaccines is causing some really significant problems. And rather than helping their children, they're putting their children at very, very high risk. Well, Dr. Pate, as always, so appreciate your time and your expertise on all of this. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudette. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, 
we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.